Great. <laughs> Great to have them here this morning. You know, we just read this a while ago, but I hope that you remember these words, the Beatitudes, however they're written in your, your Bible, and probably they're not written much differently than what we read earlier. These are God's, Jesus Christ's Son himself delivered these words saying that you are blessed when you do this. And if you're a child of God, here's how you will be blessed. What will happen when you are? Listen to this. Blessed are those who mourn, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, for they, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I pray this morning that as we look at this last beatitude, Lord, open our hearts and our minds. Lord, fill us with your wisdom. Fill us, Lord, with the knowledge of your word. But, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill us so that we can become more like you. Child, children of the King. So, Lord, we come to you this morning. Teach us. Change us, Lord. We ask that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. Amen. This is considered to be the last of the, of the, of the Beatitudes, eight of them. And um, this one looks, doesn't really look like the rest of them, does it? It's a little bit different. If you've been reading this and you've been applying this, by the way, let me ask you, have you been walking in the Beatitudes? Have you been carrying this with you every day? Oh, there were crickets I just heard. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. These are the, this is how we are to live. This is Jesus telling us how we are to live. This last one's different. You know, the rest of them said, blessed are things that you do or that you are. Not so much that you do. That you are as the Holy Spirit fills you and, 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 he, and he gives you your wisdom. But this one is a little bit different. It's a little bit different than the other characteristics in that we are. It looks more like he's telling us what's going to happen to us as a Christian. Whoa, is that scary? If it's not, if you just read this, you know, a little bit, it should be scary. We're persecuted, you know what? Because we are different than the rest of the world. And it says that if we are different, which we are, Jesus says you're a whole new creature, Right? So you will be changed. We behave differently than the rest of the world. I hope you know that, and I hope you are behaving differently than the rest of the world. You're a Christian, and the world does not like it. Have you noticed? And here's the thing. The world doesn't like it, and you will be persecuted by the world. It's a promise. It's a promise from God's word for you if you're a Christian, if you're like him. I think it's really interesting that this one it follows the one about being peacemakers. Peacemakers are going to be persecuted by the world. Does that make sense to you? 
Hmm. I don't know. I can't count it. It does make sense. Because the world doesn't like the peace that we bring, does it? This tells us a whole lot about the Christian life and how we're going to live it. It tells us a whole lot about our life as Christians in a world that is bent on sin. I don't know if you noticed, but the people that we walk with, they really like this sin thing. They enjoy it. At least they practice it a lot, don't they? They live in it. They really can't. Some of them can't even help it. These, these two Beatitudes, i got to tell you, they may tell us more about the doctrine of sin than all the rest of them combined. Blessed are the peacemakers followed by, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sakes. If a person is a peacemaker, this is what's going to happen to him. Do you think about that last week when we were talking about being peacemakers? <laughs> I'm glad we saved him this week, right? Let me show you another interesting thing about this beatitude. The promise attached to this one is the same one as the first one. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Whoa, you get it? We get the kingdom of heaven. Uh, bookends on all these characteristics that we are to be. These beatitudes is who we are to be. And, and the first one says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The last one says that. It's a spiritual kingdom of God. It's not like the world. It's entirely different from the world that we live in, folks. And yet here we are. And all of these beatitudinal characteristics, that's the word we coined last week, right? We're going to put that in the BCC on a bridge dictionary. These beatitudinal characteristics are characteristics of a kingdom citizen. And who's our king? Jesus Christ. Amen. Like the other Beatitudes, we've studied these past few weeks. This one causes us to really look deep inside of ourselves. I hope all of them have been doing that. Have you been looking deep inside? Yeah. What happened? Everybody asleep here? Anybody listening to what I'm saying? Yeah, thank you. It has caused us to look deep inside, hasn't it? This is the kind of thing. When you go and you start reflecting on what these things, who you are in Jesus Christ... Let me tell you what, we become convicted, don't we? And we do, but we become changed even more. What are we changing into? We're changing into Jesus Christ, becoming more and more like him. It's hard. The world doesn't like that much, do they? Um, i got to tell you, this one, really, the last one, it takes us by surprise. You know, I read these things. I've read these things for years. I know you all have, probably everybody. This one's really a surprise because it's, it, it, we look deep inside of ourselves and we say, wait a minute, am I being persecuted? Are you being persecuted as a Christian? Huh. You know, is it showing up in your life? I mean, we're going to talk about what all that means. We need to get past this word persecuted, though, because let me tell you what, you know, you know, you guys know we had TV stations at one time, and I got to tell you, the key to keeping the crowd is keeping them shocked. And I got to tell you, the Lord used the word here to shock us, persecuted. You know what? We got to get past that shock word. Listen to this. It goes on to say, for righteousness sake. That's a different kind of way to be persecuted than everything we see on the news and everything around us, isn't it? It's not for righteousness' sake. Let's talk about that. 
Let's just come back to that in a minute. Look, there's one other thing to be said right, right up front in this persecution. It shouldn't be a really be a, a total surprise to Christianity. It's been going on since Christ. Christians have been persecuted for 2,000 years, folks. You know what? If you haven't read it, everybody here, anybody here ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? Yeah, that's a really interesting read. If you hadn't read it, go online. You can read it online for free. It's a little bit of a long book. It, it, it's people who were actually persecuted since the faith. And here's the thing. John Fox wrote this in 15, uh, 1563, so that's 455 years that are not included in the history of persecution, Christians being persecuted. And I believe that today there's more Christians being persecuted than in the history of the world. All, all the, the statistical gurus agree with that. I don't know if they're right. Um, but you know this, we know millions have died in China and the near and the Far East and Africa because of their faith in Christ. We don't even know who they are. But you know what? They were persecuted for their faith, their righteousness, not because of a cause, not because of some belief system that they had captured, because of Jesus Christ, their faith in him as their Savior and Lord. And that's being persecuted for righteousness' sake, folks. You know, we think of ourselves over here as Christian soldiers who, who are fighting, fighting and suffering for the good fight, right? I think really what we are, it's, we, we kind of think of ourselves as the good fighting the bad and the ugly. You know, but that, that's not our, and it's our cause. You know, I, I hear this sometimes on the news. You hear someone talking about the cause of Christ. Let me tell you what, it is not a cause. And if you're enlisted in an army that's fighting for the cause of Christ, you're in the wrong army. We belong to Jesus Christ, and his righteousness is why we're persecuted, not a cause, not anything else, just Jesus Christ. Now, if that bothers you, okay, I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to bring you God's word and the truth that's in it. You know, it says we're not here for a cause. We're not here for the cause of Christianity. That's not what the Bible says at all. When we don't even call ourselves Christian, when we're embarrassed to tell anybody that we're a Christian or, or we belong to the righteous one, then we're not really being Christians, are we? When we're seeking the gods of this world instead of the righteousness of God's kingdom, and we do seek the gods of the world every day, we're not suffering for righteousness' sake, are we? Not the same one that Jesus is talking about right here in Matthew 5.10. So let's just talk a minute about what this persecution is not. The beatitude does not say, Blessed are those who are persecuted because they are socially obnoxious. Or, Blessed are those who are persecuted because they are having a hard time. Or, being persecuted because they are seriously lacking wisdom and have done something really stupid. That's not what it all it says at all. Let's understand that. That's not your Christian witness. Many people are persecuted because of their own foolish ideas um, about witnessing. You know, we've seen a lot of that in the news, hadn't we? Yeah, I'm not going to mention any names, but I don't even have to 
have to mention any names. You think about some church out in Kansas that got the whole Christian religion being made in front of, and they were considered to be persecuted. Wrong. They were not persecuted for righteousness' sake. Talk about someone who didn't let people in his church because the flood victims were standing outside without any place to be. You know, and that was supposed to be a Christian response. Wrong. You get it? It's about righteousness' sake. It's for righteousness that we're persecuted. And I got to tell you, if you're looking for your name to be put up in lights for some cause or something that because of righteousness, it won't happen. The only one that knows when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake is Jesus Christ. Now for that, I won't go any farther. That you know, I, I guess what. what when I see people that are, they want to be persecuted for some so that people will notice. We see a lot of that, don't we? For the marketing aspect, if you will. Yeah, I, I may have told you this story before, but where that really hit me hard is when we were in Philippines in 2009 on a mission trip. And there were some people there who actually would come out and they would beat each other in the name of Christ to show that they were being persecuted. One guy even nailed, had himself nailed to a cross. It, you know, that is so silly. Also, they would be noticed that they were, be, they were suffering for Christ. They weren't. Those were self-inflicted. You know, and a guy nailing himself to a cross, come on, Jesus Christ did that for the rest of us. No way he could do that for anybody else. Christ already died on the cross once and for all, is what Scripture says. So this self inflicted persecution for others to see someone do harm to himself is not the kind of persecution that Jesus is talking about on the cross. That Jesus is talking about here in Matthew. Now, you know, that's kind of the extreme. I get it. Well, let's go back to the less extreme. Let's go over to the other side of the world here. We get people to get caught, get thrown into jail because they're a peace marcher and they were violently peace marching or violently got caught that's wrong, too, because, see, the world sees them as marching for a cause. We may have taxed, attached Christ to it, but they're marching for a cause. They're not marching for righteousness' sake, are they? How does the world see righteousness in Christ's people? They see it every day in you and me. They need to see us living out this righteousness, and that's what this is all about. That's what Christ is saying this to us right here in Matthew 5.10. I think we're just too slow to realize the difference between principle and prejudice. You understand what I'm saying when I say that? The principle is righteousness, not something that we decided ahead of time what it is. We're too often confused with offending because of our inherent world nature. Or just the righteous life put into us by Jesus Christ. Here's another thing. It doesn't say, blessed are those who are persecuted because they are overzealous because they're fanatics. Okay. Yeah. Be a, a Christian fanatic is certainly a way to get persecuted these days, isn't it? But the Bible does not recommend it. It doesn't say that anywhere in it, as a matter of fact. Matter of fact, Jesus warned us. He said, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. You know the rest of this one, don't you? So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. You're that go out and show them Christ living in you. 
as we've seen in the, in the news, fanatics who claim to be Christians can do a lot of harm, can't they? It also doesn't say, blessed are those who are persecuted because they are doing something wrong. Now, we get a lot of people that do that, too. You know, Peter, Peter's letter reminds us of this. Maybe we'll, we'll preach through Peter one of these. But it says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. He puts meddlers in busybodies, which is, gets translated, I think, in the King James, in the same category as felons. <laughs> uh, we're not to be persecuted, allow ourselves to be persecuted because we did something right. Also, doesn't say, blessed are those who are persecuted for a cause. This is where this beatitude really gets misunderstood and people get confused. A lot of those uh, martyrs are mentioned a few minutes ago were perceived as, as, as being persecuted for a cause, and they were. Uh, they were indeed. Um, but the difference is being persecuted for righteousness sake as a martyr you know with that that term martyr actually if you had to literally translate that from the greek and you had to go back and look everywhere it was it means it's someone who has knowledge and then gives it out and it's often translated as witness when you say you go out and be witnesses of mine jesus was saying that you have something shared with the rest of the world and that's a martyr that would make you a martyr Uh, some people think that Seeking martyrdom is going to let the world know that they're Christians. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. It's not at all what he's saying. It doesn't mean that we are persecuted for religious or political reasons. Being politically correct, i got to tell you, folks, that's a satanic deception. It is. It's something from Satan being politically correct. That is so wrong. Yeah, we see a lot of people being persecuted because they're just not politically correct. And, 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 and they, they, they say it like this. They're not right according to what political rules say are right. That's not God's righteousness. God's rules are different than man's. How many people are thrown in jail because they're doing something that is not politically right? And yet, what do we do? We call them good people. You know... That term good, we use too much. And we try to associate it with being Christian when it's just about morality. It has nothing to do with Christ and knowing him. You know, D. James Kennedy, one of my favorite preachers of all time, and one of his sermons said, hell is full of good people just like you and me. Only the righteousness of Jesus Christ is what saves us. You know, if, if it was right for us to go and, and get thrown in jail, we should all just get in our cars and, and go down I-95, march on Washington because the government is taking away all of our rights. Right? Huh. Wait a minute. When does it become a matter of witnessing about God's righteousness, and then when does it become a, a political march witnessing? It's two different things, isn't it? How many people are, 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 are persecuted because they are, they're part of a political cause or an issue, an issue that we think is good? Some of them are. Are they being persecuted because their cause is good or because of the righteousness of God? We need to come back to that every time. But we don't. 
So, Pastor Ken, what does all this mean then? Okay. It means being righteousness, practicing righteousness, and it means being like Jesus. And here's the thing that the scripture assures you and me. If you're being like Jesus, you will be persecuted. You don't have to go looking for it. It's going to happen. Guaranteed. I'm a witness to that. And I bet a lot of people in here are too. Blessed are those who are persecuted because they are like Jesus. Let me tell you, those who are like Jesus will be persecuted. You can read that over and over again, not just here. Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Pretty clear, isn't it? Jesus has left no doubt about our being persecuted. That's his own words. And there was a young pastor in the first century who read this. He was a guy who studied under a guy named Paul. And uh, his name was Timothy. Young Timothy told Paul, you know, I don't like this being persecuted thing. Just not working out for me. And you know what Paul wrote back to him? He said, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Yeah, isn't that something? And again, Paul, it's clear that Christians will suffer. That's why this beatitude causes us to look deep into ourselves and, and, and maybe deeper uh, than the other beatitudes. So let me ask you this this morning. Are you a suffering, persecuted Christian? Ask yourself that. Hmm, crickets again. But this time everybody's awake. I hope you're looking inside yourself. You don't have to go and look to be persecuted. You don't have to go out and do anything to be persecuted. All you have to do is belong to Jesus Christ and let his righteousness that he gives you, gives you, live inside of you. That's what Jesus is teaching right here in this beatitude. And, and we see it throughout the whole Bible. You know what? Go back through. We, we, so those of you who are with me are reading the Bible from the beginning to end this year. You know, go back to the very beginning. Uh, Abel was persecuted by his brother Cain, right? Why? Because he was doing the right thing before God. I'll be. Moses was pretty persecuted, wouldn't you say? Why? Because of his righteousness before God. David was persecuted by Saul relentlessly, right? Because he was always wanting to do the right thing. What God told him was the right thing. Righteousness, I'll be. Huh, even in the Old Testament. Elijah, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Go read any, any prophet you want. You know, they weren't persecuted because they were kooks or because, they were, because of their social upheaval, what they were creating. They were persecuted because they were doing God's righteousness and wouldn't stop for any reason. They were not persecuted because they were hard to get along with. That's what a lot of people would read that and try to have you believe. Go look at, for, look at it for yourself. Read along with us. They were persecuted simply because they were being righteous. You know, when you have a choice this week or any time in your life, you have a choice between being righteous or being persecuted, hurting. 
going without maybe even losing your job or losing losing something you know that's really near and dear to you you have a choice you can either go with God and his righteousness or not and you can be blessed by him which is the kingdom that you will inherit or you can be blessed by the world which gets nuked I read the last book of the Bible it all goes away and if you're tied to it you're going with it think of the apostles and the persecution they endured wow Paul in spite of all of his gentleness and his meekness and his righteousness go read 2 Corinthians 11 look what happened to Paul he was flogged imprisoned kicked out of cities chased stoned shipwrecked every time because of his righteousness not for any other reason of course, the supreme example is Jesus, the Son of God, being perfect in every way, without sin, without pride, being perfectly righteousness, suffered the greatest persecution of all. Persecution of the world for whose sins he died. So what do we learn from all this? First, we find that the, the world hates Jesus. If you think that Jesus can be mired and lifted up by non-Christians, you're wrong. You know, I hear a lot of politicians or people that are running for office say, oh, yeah, I think Jesus is a great guy or I think Christianity is a great thing. Let me tell you what, that's the easy thing for them to say. But if they knew Jesus, they would hate him. Or they wouldn't be where they are. I'll share more of that with you privately if you ever want to know that. You can't just admire Jesus. If he fills you with his righteousness, then you're going to stand for righteousness and you're going to be persecuted for it. We know that, don't we? There are, there are people, there are world leaders, everybody who says they admire him, but they, they've never seen him. They don't know who he is. Let me tell you this. Jesus Christ is the same today as he was yesterday. He doesn't change. Unfortunately, neither does man in the world. So I'm going to understand that the natural world cannot easily admire him and lift him up. He just can't do it. That tells us about who Christ is in the eyes of the world. And that also tells us about the Christian and who he is when we're like him. We have to be like Jesus in this world today. Where we are now. Jesus tells us, Woe to you when all people speak well of you. How do we, how do we see the perfect Christian? Well, he's the one who never offends anyone and is popular with everyone around him, right? Sorry. If this beatitude is true, that, that person is not really a real Christian, is he? Because the, the real Christian is someone who's not praised by everybody. They didn't praise Jesus then, and they're not going to praise the one who's like him today, are they? Woe to you when all people speak well of you. So we're finding that Christ was hated by the world, and we, and we as Christians, ones like him, because we are like him, and we're hated by the world. And that tells a lot about the natural, unregenerate man you're living with around us every day, doesn't it? 
Not surprising, Scripture tells us through Paul's letter to the Romans that the mind of the natural man is, are you ready for this? Hostile to God. Hostile to God. That's the right translation. And that tells us that the new birth is absolutely necessary before anyone can become a Christian, doesn't it? To become a Christian ultimately is to become like Christ, and no one can be like Christ without being completely and totally changed. Are you a new creature? Are you a new creature in Christ? Are you, is his righteousness living through you? Mm. You know, the old nature that hates Christ, we're going to use those terms because that's what, that's what the Bible says. Hates righteousness, it has to die. And a new one has to replace it, and that's the one that Christ gives us. You know, when you came to Christ, you becoming a new creature, Christ comes in to live there. Oh, yeah, the old man's still hanging around in that body and, I, you know, all that. But you know what? There's a new creature in Christ in there, and he's in charge. Christ is in charge. He gives you his righteousness. We yield to his righteousness, not to the world. And not to what the world calls right either, do we? Try to imitate Christ. Let me tell you what. The world will praise you. If you become like him, it will hate you. Did you hear what I said? If you let the world see you become like Christ, they're going to love you. But when you become like him, they're going to hate you. Hmm. Here's the bottom line. Do you know what it's like to be righteousness, to be persecuted for righteousness sake? Do you know what it's like? Become like him. Here's the thing. We have to become light. You're the light of the world. That's what scripture says. And light ex- always exposes the darkness. The world loves darkness. You know what? And it hates the light. That's the light in you. And the world's going to hate you for it because you're exposing the darkness. You know, we aren't to be offensive. We aren't to be foolish. What we found here this morning, we aren't to do stupid things. Uh, We're not even to parade around, have a Christian parade, so that everybody will look up to us as Christians. We're not to do anything to get persecuted. And we all have to, all we have to do is become like Christ. And persecution is, is inevitable. You don't like that, do you? Those who become like him, it's a glorious thing. It's a glorious thing to God. It's a glorious thing in eternity. I'll promise you that. He promises that. You know what? There's one good thing about being a Christian in this world and being persecuted a lot, and that is there's a joy in here. There's a knowledge of knowing God. There's, there's, there's a joy of walking with Christ that even though, you know, we may be hurting in pain, our, our, even our emotions or, or certain parts of us might be hurting in pain, there's a joy that the world just cannot take away. Isn't that right? And it's Jesus Christ. It's that joy that we're going to have forever. Oh, I would want everyone that we meet and see to know that joy. Because, folks, we're surrounded by people that are miserable. We're surrounded by people that are trying to call themselves Christians, but also trying to be accepted by the world. Ain't going to work. Peter and James tell us to to rejoice in it. 
Jesus himself says that we are blessed or happy if we are like that. And, and that's the proof that you're a citizen of God's eternal kingdom if you find yourself persecuted for righteousness' sake. Paul wrote to the Philippians and he said, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but you should also suffer for his sake. You know what? The church of Philippi, you know, I've, I've said this before, not there anymore. There weren't that many people there. There weren't even ten families in that little church in Philippi. But here is the people, he was, Paul was saying, you're going to be persecuted. And you know what? You should not only believe in him, but you've also been selected. You've been chosen to suffer for his sake. I'll bet you that today, I don't know this, but I, I, I imagine this, and I, it just may be all true. I bet those saints today are celebrating before the throne because they were selected and be, to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. You know what? I think someday some of us are going to be doing that same thing celebrating because we were chosen to be ones who are persecuted for Christ's sake. Counted worthy to be persecuted. Is that us? Is that you? I pray that it is. You know, what we've said here this morning, I've said quietly. I hadn't said it to try to keep anybody awake who might fall asleep. I really said this because this is something that you need to ponder in your heart every day, all the time. Jesus Christ is living in there. And let me tell you what, we live for him. What a joy it is to know that God's son has saved us. He loves us so much that he died for you and me. And he's gone to heaven to make a place for us so that we can be with him forever in his love. Oh, is that a great thing? That's something that I can celebrate. Well, let me tell you what. While we're here, we're going to be persecuted. We'll talk some more about that next week, I pray. But know this. It is wonderful to be able to be persecuted for, for Christ. I pray that he gives us his great wisdom, his discernment, his knowledge, and his understanding of what we've said here this morning. For the sake of his righteousness, we are persecuted. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, if these words this morning are something that don't really make a lot of sense to you, and uh, maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, if you've never said, I want you to be my Savior and our Lord, this is probably not something this morning that you might find compelling to think that he's going to give you all this joy and everything, but you're going to be persecuted. Let me tell you what, it is indeed a joy to know him and to live with him, to love with him, <laughs> to know how to love because of him. He teaches us. It's a great joy. If you don't know that, if you've never ever come before him and said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I have all these sins that are on me and I know they're not going to go away. I can't stand before God because I'm stained with sin. And God cannot allow anybody to come before him with sin. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ promises you as the Son of God that he has taken all your sins away if you'll just claim him as Christ, as the, your Savior. If you'll give all your sins to him, he promises you, the Son of God promises you that he takes them all away. He's actually already taken them away and died for them, but you have to receive the grace, his gift of salvation. And you do that.
by just acting, asking him, confessing your sins, turning away from them, giving them to Jesus, and then resting in him. Let him fill you with his Holy Spirit, which he promises that he will. We're going to sing a, a hymn of response right now, The Power of Your Love. It is indeed all about the power of God's love. Stand, would you, and respond to him in your heart. Pray this, this song as we sing it, The Power of Your Love.